One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. Welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming, from Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone, voluntarily. I'm Katie. I'm Deborah. And I have two kids, Jay, he's four, and Kenny, he's one. And I have three kids. Tony is 10 and Libby and Nate are seven. And they are adorable, even when we're around them all day, (laughs) every day in COVID-19 lockdown. Mm -hmm. Guys, hopefully by the time you hear this episode, freedom will have been restored to the general populace. But as for now, we are dealing with closed schools and constant contact with our children. Yeah, you guys are going through the same thing. We like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. Katie, have your boys done anything cute or not so cute lately? Uh, Well, you know, we're cooped up in the house, so there's a lot of general brother-on-brother fighting going on. Mm-hmm. Kenny woke up from a nap and was really cranky, so I was trying to get him to calm down. And he finally calms down for a second, and Jay looks at me and said, Mom, I feel like Kenny's getting too much of the attention now. Can I have some? And I was like, wow, you are explicitly stating what you act out literally every day of your life. Okay. That's great that he can verbalize his needs. (laughs) How about you? What have your kids been up to? Well, they've been doing some online school... And we've had scheduled brain breaks and quote-unquote recess. So today we took their scooters to our sledding hill, Mm -hmm. which doesn't have any snow on it because it's kind of spring. And they rode their scooters down the sledding hill over and over again, which was super fun (laughs) to watch. I did not do it. (laughs) I don't even like riding a bicycle down a gentle slope. (laughs) They're pretty fearless, and their centers of gravity are a lot lower than ours. (laughs) That's a charitable way to put it, so I don't feel quite so bad. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk screen time in the news. Katie, you found a really great article from CNN.com by Sandra Gonzalez, written on or published on March 5th. It was in CNN's represented collection celebrating National Women's Month. It seems like it could have been just regular content, but it's about the ladies, so it's (laughs) got to be in the ladies section. Uh, It was a really great article about a study that came out from the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media. Uh, We love that institute and all the work that they do. And they compared uh, 2019 to 2016. And in 2007, just 24% of family films had female characters in lead roles, less than a quarter. And in 2019, close to half of 48% of the top 100 top grossing family movies featured lead female characters. In case anyone is wondering what constitutes a family film. That's any live action or animated film that was rated G, PG, or PG-13. It went 
a little more in depth and looked at percentages of leads who were people of color, uh, lead care, any lead characters with disabilities, characters with what the study calls large body types and how they were portrayed in the movies. So there's room for improvement, but in the last like 12 years, things have gotten considerably better by the measures employed in this study. Yeah, I seem to remember from the last time we talked about the Gina Davis Institute that they're pretty good about putting some fairly granular data online when they publish studies. So I'm kind of curious to go and see among that 48% of movies, how many were solely led by female leads and how many were there's a female and a male in lead roles in the same movie. That's a good question. Because just hearing those positive strides and like being a human in the world, I don't see that just anecdotally in the movies we've been watching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was a interesting quote about how, of course, representation matters and it's great for girls to see female lead roles, but it's also good for boys to see females in lead roles because then they start to see women as equals, which is something that I think it's kind of missed sometimes in the conversation about representation. Yeah, I really love that argument. How depressing was that little throwaway statistics where they were like, yes, 48% of lead roles were women, but a woman is six times more likely to be portrayed in sexualized clothing than a man. Depressing, but not surprising. I know. All right, so let's move on to something more fun. We have a little bit of follow-up. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the Weezer song, which is not actually a Weezer song, but Weezer covered the song Lost in the Woods from Frozen 2 and how tickled we were by this random rock song in the middle of a musical. And I was digging into a little bit more, and I found this great article from Vanity Fair from November 5th of last year, which is around when Frozen actually came out. And it was all about how the composers decided to write the song. And it had some great insights about how they felt a lot of pressure to give a song to Kristoff because he's voiced by Jonathan Groff, who is like Broadway royalty. But they couldn't figure out how to make it feel organic to his character because the character himself was so gruff. So Mm -hmm. they were tossing around ideas and they were like, you know, what's one of the few ways gruff men feel comfortable expressing themselves in our society? Karaoke night. So they essentially gave (laughs) Kristoff like a journey karaoke moment in the middle of this movie, which I just love. So props to them. Yes. And I guess it was inspired by a lot of Jonathan Groff's stands who were disappointed that he didn't sing in the first Frozen movie. Did I use Stan correctly? I think so. Why can't we just say fans anymore? I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Why is suddenly like an Eminem song from 2002 providing cultural slang? (laughs) I don't know. All right, guys, moving on to today's topic. We are covering our first sequel today, the Disney Channel original movie, Zombies 2. You guys, before you get mad at us, I know we're doing two Disney movies in a row, but we wanted like a palate cleanser from our really old 1960 movie from last time. 
So we have a 2020 release. This was just released on Valentine's Day, so it's very new. Mm -hmm. It's a follow-up to the 2018 movie Zombies, which we covered way back in episode 32. So if you haven't checked that out, I highly recommend it. The sequel has the same director as the original movie, and that is Paul Hohen. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, Paul. Uh, But it does have a different choreographer, which I don't know about you, Deborah, but that gave me some pause because the best thing about the first movie was the dancing. So good. But then I went on to read that the original choreographer, Mr. Christopher Scott, has apparently moved on to choreograph the upcoming In the Heights, which, I mean, you can't really fault a guy for abandoning his Disney Channel original franchise to choreograph a Lin-Manuel Miranda movie. Totally. Seems like a legit step up. to him. Yeah. (laughs) So we are... Curious to see what new choreographer new choreographer Jennifer Weber does. So let me try and give you a really quick plot summary. Can I do just like a very brief summary of the first movie? Sure. Yeah. So first movie, Tennessee Seabrook is a segregated town between humans and zombies who aren't really dangerous because they wear these things called Z-bands. So of course, a cheerleader falls in love with a zombie and it's all about learning to accept and not fear people who are different from you. The second movie, we have those same characters, Addison and Zed, with the addition of the native peoples of Seabrook who are apparently werewolves, who have made their re-entry into Seabrook Town looking for some mystical power source that they lost long ago and they need, otherwise they will die. So they team up with Addison, who they believe is their great alpha werewolf leader even though she has shown no signs of being a werewolf up to this point and they work to find the magical power source that will allow them all to live and everyone learns a little something about tolerance for people who are different than they are nicely done that was like the most run-on-y sentence ever i'm pretty (laughs) sure there were actual periods i apologize (laughs) so we are covering this again just because you know i in particular am a super big sucker for disney channel original movies and we both love a good musical so why not also a few weeks ago i was in disney world before it closed down and the ads for this were all over every surface that could be covered with a poster so I couldn't say no because I'm super susceptible to advertising even my kids knew about it I think from YouTube ads they don't watch a lot of Disney shows but I mentioned I needed to watch zombies too and they were like oh yeah that looks super good (laughs) awesome well I'm glad we have our finger on the pulse for once (laughs) So what did you think about the concept on plot? It was a little twilighty in that it started out with one supernatural element. The first one was zombies, and then they added werewolves. They couldn't think of anything else interesting to say about a love story between a human and a zombie, so they needed an infusion of fresh material in the form of werewolves? I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I was happy to see these characters again. I so liked the first movie, but I was very hesitant about the concept. And then towards the end of the movie, one character mentions vampires just like in passing. And it's like, just is that what they're going to do for Zombies 3? Did you watch the end? Um, I zoned out during the end. It's not going to be vampires. It's going to be aliens. Oh, okay. 
okay. Mm-hmm. I missed it. <laughs> Just to prove how not Twilight they are. So the message of the first movie was against prejudice. Zombies aren't bad just because they look different from everybody else. So the message of this one is a little hard to pin down. Is it kids can make the change the future needs? Is it encouraging budding activists? What where do you where do you think we fall here? I mean, I like to think because towards the end of the movie when the three different groups of kids, the humans, the zombies, and the werewolves all kind of band together to Mm -hmm. save this magical power source. It feels a little bit like the future is ours, you grown-ups who don't get anything sort of moment. Mm -hmm. I guess I would like to think that's the message they're striving for, but that came in way at the end. And then they spent a significant amount of time with Addison, who is trying to figure out her place in the world. She's not a zombie, obviously, so she thinks that maybe she could be a werewolf. And the end message seems to be, you should just be okay with who you are, which is a fine message, but it was kind of all over the place for me. I wanted her to be a werewolf super bad because I thought it was going in a, like, eventually you will find your people type of direction. Mm -hmm. Like it seemed like until the werewolves showed up and did her hair up all fantastic. (laughs) She didn't even know what she was missing. Kind of like when we applied to library school and we went to library school and like found all these awesome people who wanted to be in like a semi-academic, semi-helper profession and liked to read books. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the werewolves could have been her librarians. I thought it was definitely, I thought it was going in like a, it gets better campaign type of direction, but it didn't. There was also this weird subplot with the Z bands where, oh gosh, is, no, it's not Zoe. What is the name of the activist zombie girl? Ugh, I don't know. Okay, so Zed's friend, activist zombie girl, says that she thinks that the zombies have evolved past needing their Z-bands. So there are brief moments when it makes it seem like they're going to decide to just go full zombie and keeping with the theme of the movie, accept themselves as how they are, but they don't pull the trigger on that one either. And they shouldn't when they take off the Z-bands or like half remove the Z-bands. They're frightening. Also, they eat brains. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about zombies, can we just step back and talk about the werewolves for a second? Because yeah. these are not werewolves. <laughs> these are the ultimate, I don't know, tween dream of what a werewolf is. But can we just agree on the basic concept of a werewolf? A werewolf is a person who has been usually bitten by a werewolf Mm -hmm. who walks around like a person most of the time, but when there's a full moon, turns into an extremely dangerous, bloodthirsty wolf. Right. I thought that was pretty pretty clear. Mm -hmm. These werewolves are just punk rock teenagers. With uh, big, sharp canines. Yes, and glowing eyes and fingernails that function as claws. Mm -hmm. But there's never any transformation into more of a wolf form. There's never any explanation as to how they became wolves. It appears that there are baby wolves and adult wolves, although we don't really see the adults. So I guess you're just a werewolf from birth. I don't know. It was it was a problematic representation of werewolves to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Were you expecting more of a teen wolf type situation? Yeah. Transformation? 
Yeah, exactly. And I know that the makeup related in transforming a person to a werewolf is notoriously tricky and it's a TV movie after all. They probably don't have the budget to do any of that realistically. But it's like they just decided to call these people werewolves and they could have been literally anything like tree spirits, which would have made more sense. Right. And in the very beginning of the movie... They give some background, and before Seabrook was even a town, there were, like, creatures living in the woods, scary, dangerous creatures. Not to bring up Frozen 2 again, but Frozen 2 and this movie both have plots that deal with showing respect to indigenous populations. So the werewolves are, like, the indigenous population here because they were there first, and they were displaced by the settlers of Seabrook, but they're not like coded in that way. They're not coded as Native Americans. I don't know. It just seems really half-baked. And there were so many avenues that I felt like they could have gone down. Like when Addison thought she might be a werewolf, there was almost a little love triangle thing between her and Wyatt, the head werewolf boy, and Zed. But they dropped that real quick. Mm-hmm. I don't know how these movies that show on the Disney Channel are made. I don't know if they're if they come out of a writer's room or if they come out of like one person who writes a screenplay and then it gets doctored up by another person. I don't know. I just imagine that they sprung fully formed from Mickey Mouse's head. Don't crush my dreams. But it seems like have you ever written like a communication for like a place you work and then you've got to run it by like your boss? And then they've got to run it by like their boss. Mm -hmm. And then what ends up going out is just like the worst thing you've ever seen in your life. Because so many fingers were on it. Yes, this this script does seem to have a lot of fingerprints for sure. That yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimately, it's a movie about a cheerleader and a zombie. You don't need to overcomplicate things. (laughs) Yeah, just like fun songs and good dance is what we're here for yes right um so speaking of the cheerleaders Bucky is back he was one of my favorite characters (laughs) he's like a super peppy but ooh, just like a jerk personality so politics is very much in the zeitgeist (laughs) and on my brain so did the race for class president between Bucky and Zed and also the race for cheer captain between Addison and the ACs like these three other cheerleaders did it resonate with you in light of current politics I mean I know this sounds bonkers guys we're talking about werewolves we're talking about indigenous populations we're talking about z-bands we're talking about magical stones that live underground we're talking about angsty teenage girls and now we're throwing in some political races this movie's got everything and not necessarily in a good way yeah it did definitely resonate with me because you had these two main candidates for class president and neither Mm -hmm. of them were pursuing the job for at all altruistic reasons. Bucky just wants to be like big man on campus and Zed just wants to be able to take his girlfriend to the prawn, which is their version of the prom because their school mascot is the mighty shrimp and they do not let you forget it. And Addison doesn't even want Zed to win. Yeah. (laughs) Because for quite a long time, she wants to be cheer captain. And so if Bucky wins the election, then she gets to be cheer captain. If Zed wins... She still has to play second fiddle to Bucky. But they essentially, again, just drop all this at the end of the movie for their rah-rah kids can save the world moment, which again, I loved. 
but mm-hmm. it did leave several plot threads hanging. It didn't remind me a little bit about there's sort of this undercurrent of moderate versus progressive policies in the Democratic presidential candidate race, where it seems like the, some of the more progressive candidates have wanted to change things in a big way. And some of the moderates are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I had to pay student loans, so we shouldn't have free college for everybody. And like, there was this The zombies kind of seemed like they wanted the werewolves to bootstrap themselves up just like the zombies had to, Mm -hmm. rather than the zombies just making it better for everybody, regardless of where they came from. Yeah, that's a really good point, because Zed is all about assimilation into the human Seabrook culture, as opposed to embracing his zombiness or encouraging the werewolves to embrace their wolfiness. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to something a little more frivolous. (laughs) The look of the show. I'm guessing you have thoughts on the werewolf's costume design. Oh my gosh. Well, who would I be if I didn't have a tangent to go on right now, Deborah? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we grew up in the 80s, or we're young kids in the 80s, and before Google and Pinterest, mostly before Pinterest, if you wanted to throw a themed birthday party for your children, you went to the bookstore or the library and bought a book about like different things that you could do for a themed birthday party. Mm-hmm. And we had one of these books when I was growing up. To my knowledge, we never hosted one of these parties, but I was <laughs> obsessed with the book. Like I was obsessed <laughs> with all the different themes and they had one party that was called a punk rock party <gasps> Ooh. Mm-hmm. so it talked about how you could do the makeup with like the pinks and purples that like come out of your eye and go in a stripe all the way up to your temple yeah and, and like you'd like rip your clothing and put it back together with safety pins that to me it's like the costume designers of this movie also loved that book when they were children. Yeah, they were like punk rock werewolves. <laughs> totally. But not in a threatening, let's tear down the establishment way, in a we found these looks in a children's birthday party book sort of way. And we're going to pin on faux fur onto everybody's shoulders right. to signify the their canine qualities. <laughs> because again, not wolves in any way. Oh, <laughs> except for one hilarious character that ate someone's homework. That was a funny scene. Yeah. That was What did you think of the punk rock costume design? I liked their hair. One of the another signifiers, they all had like a white streak in their hair, and that's why they think Addison is their alpha because she has a head full of white platinum blonde hair. So I did like the hair. Overall though, I was yeah, I was expecting Teen Wolf and it did not deliver. Mm-mm, no. They were not hirsute in the way that Michael J. Fox was. <laughs> and just like a very brief side note, did it look to you like they toned down the zombiness of the zombies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they had like more, their eyes were more sunken. And their hair was bright, like a brighter green. Mm-hmm. It just looked like brown. <laughs> mm-hmm. Zed's dad in particular, he works at the Seabrook power plant now. So he's wearing like a different uniform, but he just looks sickly. Like he does not look like a zombie anymore. No, like he has a mild case of jaundice or something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have thoughts on any of the other characters or cast? I still found the lead couple 
very charming. Mm-hmm. I like them both quite a bit. I was never quite as Team Bucky <laughs> as you were, but uh, mm-hmm. he was still giving it his all. Mm-hmm. As far as the newly introduced werewolves, the they all have d- names that start with W, just like the zombies all have names that start with C. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that ate the homework and was the most dog-like was called Willow, and I quite liked that character and the girl who played her for just going full werewolf, I guess, or full doggy werewolf um did anyone stand out to you not in particular the the nice cheerleader friend of addison mm-hmm. i like her mm-hmm. character and the actress who plays her i nobody was really a standout i guess i have to walk that back okay so the principal of the school was present in the first movie and she was just kind of mean because She was trying to follow the zombie laws and keep the zombies away from the kids. But in the second movie, they've really leaned into her as a really lonely woman who (laughs) would even like to have like high school kids as friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kind of in a similar way to the first movie, they had the coach play that role, but they kind of sidelined the coach in this movie. Mm -hmm. So like during the debates for class president, like Bucky gives her a high five and she's like crowing to the whole school. That was a high five. Mm-hmm. That was great. If you're school president, you get to hang out with me all the time. It'll be so fun. Like I, I like that, uh, that little extra air of desperation they added to her. I guess I just love it when people with tertiary characters give it their all. Mm hmm. Yeah, she was funny. What did you think about the musical elements, the songs and the choreography? On the whole, I thought that the choreography was as good as the first for the Mm -hmm. most part, except for the opening number. Okay. All right. So it takes place kind of split between Seabrook, where Zed is, and Cheer Camp, where Addison is. So half the choreography is kind of the similar hip hop moves that we were used to from the first movie. The other half is more cheer inflected. And the cheer side of things just really fell flat to me. I don't know what the thought was going into that dancing, but it wasn't cheer enough and it wasn't hip hop enough. And they replaced because in the first movie, they had these wonderful trampoline floors for one number and they did some amazing Mm -hmm. stunts. And in this opening number, they had like weird bouncy tight ropes that they kind of had people dancing on and it was not nearly as compelling or as interesting looking I don't know I was really worried after that opening number it felt satisfactory I enjoyed the choreography I enjoyed the songs nothing stood out to me like remember how I was fooled by the trampoline in the floor Mm -hmm. when we watched the last one so was I so was I (laughs) I thought it like I thought the songs were good not quite on par with like Descendants songs have you watched or listen to the Descendants soundtracks? I haven't. I am aware that that is like the Disney movie trilogy to beat at this point. Ugh, the songs are really, really catchy. Mm-hmm. Super poppy in a good way. Were you able to compare this to any adult movies or TV shows? First, I was thinking about the Netflix show with Gwyneth Paltrow, where the guy from Dear Evan Hansen is running for class president. The first thing I thought was the Goop Lab. Oh, no. (laughs) I only watched like half of the first episode. So just because it has a class selection. But then, so I finished the movie, Zombies 2, and then I've been really enjoying High Maintenance on HBO. Mm -hmm. 
And last night I watched, ooh, it's in season three. I think it's like episode six or eight. And it's, have you watched High Maintenance? Mm -mm. It's all about like this drug dealer who, he doesn't have a name. He's just called the guy. So the guy has this like very casual love interest who's a babysitter for a really dysfunctional family. The mother is gone. I don't know if she died or left the family or whatever, but she spends like all day taking care of this child who's maybe like six or eight and he acts like a feral dog <laughs> and he never breaks character. So what you're saying is better werewolf than the werewolves in this movie. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're looking for a real depiction of a human acting like a dog, you've got to see that high maintenance episode. <laughs> I love it. Were you able to compare it to anything? I was, but I am suddenly having a brain fart and forgetting the name. Okay, so it was originally a British series, and I think they had an American remake of it at some point. But it was like, what if a werewolf, a ghost, and a vampire lived together in an apartment? <laughs> <laughs> and they were all, of course, like sexy, beautiful 20-somethings. Okay. Oh, that's funny. Um, but even that werewolf was a much more convincing werewolf because he was super torn and conflicted about his werewolfiness. And I don't know, it obviously had a lot more angsty plot lines going for it than did our fine story in Seabrook. Mm -hmm. I know the minute we press stop, I will remember what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Were you able to cast a gritty HBO reboot? This is a lazy casting because I just went with like actors that look like the actors in this show. So mm -hmm. the lead wolf sort of looks like Zendaya, only like younger and more conventionally pretty, I guess. So I would cast Zendaya in that role. And then... Kristen Bell as Addison, Aww. which doesn't make sense because she's like 20 years older. <laughs> and then Ashton Kutcher as Zed. I think that does a disservice to Zed. Doesn't make sense because he's quite a bit older, but like they're both tall and have similar like ways they carry their body. <laughs> Not my best work. How about you? Well, I want the comedy version with Kate McKinnon as Addison and John Mulaney as Zed. <laughs> Okay, I would love that. <laughs> and I didn't really cast any werewolves. Sorry. <laughs> Do you think it was better when we were kids? I I think it's better now because there's just so much content. I would have loved watching this when I was a kid. Yeah, because I, I don't know if we talked about this in our last episode that we did about the zombies franchise, but I remember seeing Disney original movies growing up, but they were never musicals. There were definitely no. ones that I loved that were made for TV movies by Disney, but I cannot for the life of me think of a musical, and I'm always going to pick a musical over a just boring talky-talky what's going on movie. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Especially one with a lot of good dance numbers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I cannot stress enough how much the dancing is the best part of both of these movies. Mm -hmm. Would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? No. Would you? I would maybe YouTube one of the songs just to like watch the dancing. Mm -hmm. But I would never sit down and watch the movie because, again, the plot. Which, you know what? I don't know how you watch this. Oh, that's what I was going to say at the top. I'm just all over the place today. So we didn't talk at first about how we watched this. Did you watch it on demand from your cable provider? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I actually watched it on the Disney website, which it wasn't okay. available yet on Disney Plus, but it was available on 
it's not disney.com it's probably disney.go.something i don't know on the disney website that's confusing to me though because to me a consumer like disney is disney is disney and if i'm paying for disney plus everything should be on disney plus but exactly i mean it comes back to what we talked about last week in our screen time in the news about how disney is negotiating the release of disney plus and what goes there because to me yeah i was shocked too that i couldn't find it on disney plus i guess they still want you to be paying for cable as well to get some of their content so they want your money twice which honestly is not Mm -hmm. shocking to me at all right (laughs) they're a very successful company Uh, 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. I think it's fine. I think it's a little scary in parts for younger viewers, but I think it's campy. It's fun. Yeah. The zombies, except for those very brief moments, are never threatening. And again, the werewolves, never scary. Never (laughs) wolves. I watched a bit of it with Jay before he got bored and he was so into the dance sequences he was like jumping off of furniture (laughs) like kicking around and doing his best little four-year-old hip-hop and it was adorable cute ratings you were just on our website did you see what we gave the first one no I really have to compare after this (laughs) yeah um because it was obviously not as good as the first one but I was still pretty much in the bag for it for the dancing alone So I would have to give it at least a four. Yeah, I was thinking three and a half. Yeah, because plot, but dancing, Mm -hmm. awesome. So Well, thank you for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our website at myscreentime2.com. You can still find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. That's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. Tweet us with show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments at at myscreentime2. Email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children, and our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye. Stay healthy, guys.